Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Alrighty. Well, I'm on. Waiting for Dave to get here. Well, let's see. Should be on central time. Oh, Dave. Where's Dave? Dave, can't remember Eastern time is not uh, the same as 9.15 my time. It is the same. 11.15 there. So it was 9.15 here, Dave. Right. Where are you?
to after start time, still no day. They need to send up a flare. Starting to get the feeling that Dave doesn't know what time it is or he fell off the earth or something happened here. 19 after now. Probably will be on 15 after.
Please. Yeah, I finally got on, huh? Yeah. Yeah. How you doing? Not, not like I've been counting or anything, but see, this is why I don't do live shows. I got you. I got you. I would have been. I was, all, I was already in. I was already, and I, I I went to grab a cigarette, and I realized I didn't have any cigarettes. And I knew if I was going to be on here for an hour drinking coffee, you know what I mean? Mm. Sorry about that. Oh, we got a 120-minute time slot, so uh, we can start out with uh, your Bigfoot-related experiences. Sure. Um, then go to your background as far as like being interested in cryptids in general and your sure. experiences in the deliverance ministries. Yeah. And then, of course, I think the, the main point I want to hit here is the... Um, Bigfoot are Bigfoot are not demons. They're not demonic necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, they're flesh and blood critters. They could be possessed, but they're not like automatically a demon or something like that. Well, yeah, I, well, I agree, and, and I don't believe that either. I don't believe what I'm in total agreement with what you just said. Okay, I wasn't ever, I wasn't ever going to say anything different than that. Okay. Well, I know we're totally on the same page there, and that's just one of the reasons that I bring you sure. on is because essentially, sure. when it comes down to this sort of thing, you're an expert. Well, You've got here's first hand experience fighting with demons and devils. This is what I do believe. Well, I don't ever fight them. I, I whoop them and kick them out. The, uh, and I put them in the bottomless pit, and I never have to hear from them again. The, uh, <laughs> I never fight the same devil twice. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Now, I'm going to sit on the back porch, and occasionally you're going to hear a background like that, and I'll say, sorry, plane's going over, but I'm on the back porch. Now, yeah, if that's I get, okay. When I was doing the interview with Adam, he had a train go by every so often. Mm-hmm. Well, we get those too, but hopefully not while we because they're noisy. But uh, it, yeah, I can't hear the I can't hear the all I can hear is wah, wah, you know, as they go through the they go through about seventy miles an hour, and so they hit the horn. You know, one of the nice things about recording a telephone versus uh, like Skype or microphone or something like that is you don't have to worry about it so much picking up the background noise. It's got to be pretty yeah. damn loud in the background for yeah. it to pick up. Okay, did you hear that plane go over just now? Nope. Good. Well, we're in good shape. The, what I what, going back to what we were talking about. What I what I would do want to say is that these things have uh, like the things from the supernatural, i.e., nephilim, fallen angels, demons, God's angels. Okay. Uh, they have the ability. They're not affected by the Tower of Babel experience. And and. You know, I want to list uh, what uh, some of the things that uh, Seward said, and then disagree with him, but in a friendly way. Right. Uh, you know, he says over the eons of time they've all learned our different languages, so we come out in our native tongue and we say, "Oh, we're here, we're your good brothers," and blah blah blah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to say blah blah blah, but I'm going to be original. And, and I'm going to, and then I'm going to say, now, for that to be real. They'd have to have language courses to teaching each other this stuff from childhood and repeating your languages to each other. That just doesn't that doesn't wash. Yeah, but, just but don't yet, go too much on the attack on yeah. Tom because as far no, as I'm, not, I'm, I'm his, goes, I'm his friend. Just, uh, I'm his friend. Yeah, we're friends. We're friends. Yeah, I'm friends with him too. And you know, yeah. 
his background in Bigfoot is what his tribal traditions are sure. and what he's heard from the locals. Well, so and he I'm doesn't gonna, know doodly, really. Yeah, I'm not going to get. I'm not going to. I'm not going to dispute that. I, I believe he's correct. They can understand, and, mm. and hence the one thing that they've got from the supernatural that we do know of. Actually, there's two. The first one is they can understand any language. They can understand any language. They may not be able to speak it back to you. But we know they have linguistic skills that are over the top on their being able to mimic, and they're you know, and they're known as being mimics. But I, I fully believe they can understand us in any language. They may not be able. To, they may not. It's like me speaking Spanish. I, yeah. I can understand what you're saying in Spanish. It doesn't mean I can repeat it back to you. Right. You follow me? Yeah. And, well, and it's not. Yeah, it's not because I know. It, for me, it's because I know the words. For them. They're not affected by the Tower of Babel. Hence, there is a supernatural component to these things. We don't know what it is. Some of them appear to be non-aggressive. I'm not ever going to use the word friendly in regard to these things. Because you get too close to them and annoy them, you'll, they'll pound the crap out of you. Hold on now. Before, before you get all fired up uh-huh. and you start having to repeat all this over again, let me do an intro for the show and bring you in. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we can start out with your Bigfoot uh, stuff and all that. I'm gonna, I'll tell you what, I'm going to let you direct out loud and say, now, now, that's great. Now, let's move into, and then you, you know, let's move into your experiences here. Let's move into, and just just guide me, and I'll I'll follow suit, and you won't have to add a whole lot. I, I do want to have conversation, but, you know, I, I, I don't want to. I just gave you the rough breakdown of how I want to yeah, do it, because you yeah, have to I'm, start out being Bigfoot related, and then from there, we can end up with you talking about deliverance ministries and the encrypted knowledge pamphlet that you're putting into the booklet over in Africa sure. and the whole thing by the end of the show. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I really, yeah, and I, I, I'll do it a lot quicker than I did with Les. And, but here's the deal. I really do want to talk about, you know, that the fact that the Mayans were here, the Chinese were here, and they, they were here for a long time, but yet all of a sudden they left. And the and the Anasazi were in cliff dwellings, so that something big couldn't get to them, and all of a sudden they disappeared. Yeah, and the legends from over there aren't encouraging either. Apparently, they have the legends that the giants came through there basically at running speed, and were getting up in the pueblos and grabbing them and eating them anyway. Right. And, that's know, the like other thing about scattered yeah, across, that's across the, other the thing desert. That's the other thing that's spooky about Bigfoot is they can digest us. And they can mm-hmm. evidently digest each other. Mm-hmm. And That's so, the word cannibal. It has the, both meanings, actually. Right. And so they're man-eaters and cannibals. And, yep. and they have the ability to, to be. I'm not going to say they all are. And, I, and again, I'm, I, I understand that you, that you are in research, and I'm not going to step on your toes, nor am I going to step on, on Seward's. What's his first name? Uh, Tom. That's not really the thing. I mean, it's not like you're stepping on anybody's toes because everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's really sort of irrelevant. Well, let me get things going here then. You bet. I'm ready. Three, two, one. Okay, welcome everybody. A big sky howdy, and welcome to another episode of World Bigfoot Radio. We're coming to you with episode number 17 here, and I have a special guest that I've been wanting to have on for a while. And we chat a lot, and uh, he is also interested in cryptid research and has um, been sort of involved peripherally in it most of his life, and what he does directly is sort of related to it anyway. Um, he has a real interesting take on things from the perspective of uh, his vocation 
and uh, also his uh, his hobby of being interested in this and doing it uh, part time in, in research. And so uh, I'd like to uh, welcome and bring uh, Dave M on. Thanks, Dave, for being with us. Hi, how are you? Good to be I'm here. Doing great, buddy. Glad to talk to you by phone. Usually it's the middle of the night and we're chatting back and forth on Facebook yeah, yeah. while we're busy doing other things, <laughs> posting stuff all over the place. Yep. So it's like kind of fun to actually get a chance to, to actually talk to you for a change here. But uh, I wanted to start everybody out with your background as far as the whole Bigfoot subject is. Um, how did you get interested in that initially? Did, did you have an encounter first or did you hear about it first? How did that all, all work in, uh, in your life? Well, I saw pictures in Argosy Magazine and a couple others at the barbershop when I was a kid. I was born in 58, and so I'm a little older than you are. Um, I uh, would see those pictures, and we'd see snippets of it on TV. Of course, I didn't have the remote control. Well, actually, back then, we didn't even have a remote control. It was I was the remote control. Yeah. You know, he'd, say, he'd say, Dave, go over there and change the channel. Okay. And so, if you had another sibling, they were the one that was holding the rabbit ears to make sure it was at the right angle so you could get a well, good picture. Well, we, we were in the country, so we had a big antenna. But <laughs> there, I, I was the remote control. That's, that's why. <laughs> yeah. yeah it I finally got doing to, that, too. Yeah, it finally got to the point where they were less concerned with it affecting my reproductive organs sitting too close to the TV and more concerned with not having to get up and change the channel. So they finally let me sit close to the TV. So... But I, I, unfortunately, unless it was Sunday afternoon and they were taking naps or Saturday morning, I didn't get to choose what we were going to watch very often. Mm-hmm. But that was okay. I liked John Wayne and Bonanza, too. <laughs> so, you know. Which is pretty much 90% of what was on back then. <laughs> my, grandpa, my grandpa called him, shoot him in the guts. Yeah. 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 So um, as time went by, I would hear more and more about this, and guys would, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. At barbershop, and uh, uh, there was my our barber were was a was a gentleman that had lost his leg in World War II, and his two sons, and they had the barbershop across from the from the car dealership. My dad drove Cadillacs, and so I would when I didn't have anywhere else to go, and I got tired of sitting over there while he was getting his car serviced, I'd go hang out at the barbershop. Occasionally I'd shine shoes or whatever, and not not to earn money necessarily, but just something to do. Mm. And I would we we had a lot of lot of lot of conversations in the in the uh, in the barber shop, uh, everything from war stories to what is Bigfoot to you know what uh, what's going to happen after Kennedy. So yeah, a lot of lot of yep. interesting conversations. As time went by, we ended up. Uh, I ended up in the real estate business with my dad. My dad had been a real estate broker for all some totally spent 35 years doing it in uh, three states, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas, and we sold farms and ranches. And so I grew up going to farm auctions, and uh, we hunted. My dad grew up in Gunnison, Colorado, uh, on a homestead. They actually were Mustangers and, and caught wild horses and sold them to the CCC boys that were building the uh, all of the high mountain roads and, and – uh, and uh, lakes, you know, finishing off. That's why those lakes look so perfect with the shorelines and everything is because somebody built them. Mm-hmm. And re- retention reservoirs up in the high mountains. And uh, this was in, in central Colorado, west central Colorado. And so, you know, prior to that, they had uh, been road builders. And actually, they put the finish on 
Uh, well, I'll start even earlier than that. My dad was born in Lincoln, Nebraska, and when he was two years old, uh, they had just finished building all the railroad beds in western Nebraska with uh, 200 teams of horses. That's four horses each on each team. That's 800 head, and they got the job to put the finish on uh, the road going over Monarch Pass. And so they they uh, drove 800 head of stock plus their saddle horses plus uh, mules and pull, with, with 32 covered wagons to pull all of the to load up all of the equipment and went to Gunnison, Colorado, to uh, Salida, Colorado, and then the family went on over to Gunnison. And they spent two years doing that job, and then by oh, let's see, it's 31, 32, 30, by 33, 34, they sold all their stuff to the CC boys and went into the Mustang business. <laughs> and uh, so. That, you know, catching oh, boy, they were born in the wrong age, man. Yeah. It should have been about 50 years earlier. Uh, well, the funny part was my great-grandfather was was the he-man. He was five foot six, and he's, he was a tough bird. And my grandpa, he'd had polio, so he was he was pretty gimpy, but he had uh, rejuvenated himself. Uh, he put a, one hand in, in, in his coveralls, overalls, and, and another in his, uh, uh, what we call a knee pad on his bad leg, and rejuvenated himself by breaking two full sections to the plow behind four horses. Put a single rein off each, coming off the back, uh, gather on each one of them, and uh, I guess uh, he kind of, he walked with a limp all his life, but he got to where he could he could handle things. So he's one of my heroes. You don't meet very many guys that, that get polio and get totally paralyzed on one side and end up, you know, functioning after that. Yeah, yeah. So at any rate, they they homesteaded up on uh, uh, in Sawatch County, and uh, 16 miles behind the W Mountain there in uh, north, uh, see southwest southeast of uh, Gunnison, Colorado. And uh, I grew up going spending half of my summers in Gunnison and and part of other times of the year. And so I kind of I grew up in Oklahoma, but I also grew up in Gunnison, Colorado, and I had a lot of cousins there that were hardcore cowboys. And so I I kind of grew up looking at the back end of somebody else's horse going up and down the mountains. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of, you know, by, by the time that I was old enough to carry a gun and hunt, I kind of knew my way around. And uh, I'd won my spurs by then. So, uh, you know, that kind of gave me that kind of background. In uh, 84, we bought a ranch in partnered in a ranch in Colorado, and we were going to sell it out with undivided interest and make it kind of a resort deal. And we got my cousin to do that, and he got in a Jeep wreck right off the bat, so he was the hardcore cowboy, so I had to come up and take over. And so uh, for a couple of years, I did that and took hunters out the first year and, and uh, kind of knew my way around. I knew that area. This was in uh, Rio Grande County. And... Uh, Actually, the Stearmans own that place now. They bought it. Uh, we we walked out after the, the oil bust in 85, uh, late 85, yeah, late 85. And so we were up there about two years, I guess. It was early 83 anyway. The uh, uh, It's now a fly-in bush pilot resort. Isn't that funny? And uh, they put a – so all the bush pilots from all over Colorado, they land there and spend the weekend. And they have BS section BS sessions out front, and uh, I didn't I didn't lose anything there to go back for. It's too high, too cold. But uh, my uh, I took out hunters the first year. This is working up to my first experience seeing them. 
I really had forgotten completely about them, hadn't thought about them, and you know my my uh, my idea of wildlife was grizzlies, and there weren't any in Colorado, and I really didn't take anything else serious. I knew there were mountain lions around. Yeah. I didn't really realize how many until Jerry Cooney, the guy that used to be on American Sportsman, pulled up with a truck and all his dogs and wanted a lion hunt out back. And <laughs> I thought, holy moly, we got lions? He said, oh, you got them all over the place. And I'm going, oh, I guess I'm going to hunt back there anymore. <laughs> I've been, I, so I, I, quit, I quit the rock climbing in the area right then, you know. And uh, But by the second season, that first year, I had didn't have any hunters booked. And... Uh, uh, I was going to try to hunt an area. I and the, I had already been up scouting, and there was, there were guys everywhere in our backcountry. They were coming from the other side, evidently. I don't know, but I I knew that come hunting season, especially by the second season, that if the weather was warm, we were going to be just inundated with hunters. And I didn't have any hunters the second season. I wanted to get an elk myself. Right. And I'd been I'd been anxious. My cousin had talked about the Wymanooch. And that area over Conejos County and those areas, he had he had uh, run cattle operations over there as a as a general manager of different companies, and uh, talked about those that country. And I knew it was a lot of it was high and bald with you know scattering of trees, and then other parts of it were straight up and down. And I I really had an itch to get over there and spend some time. So. Me and another fellow, a guy that showed up at the ranch, and he's kind of became my saddle buddy, but he. We, I didn't know him that well, but we, we, I took him with me. And he took his gun because he didn't have any other optics, and I had my binoculars, and we were going to go over there. And I, of course, I had my pistol. And we were going to go over there and, and uh, scout for elk. I kind of took him along because it's nice to have somebody along, you know. Yeah. And so we got up into, into the western part of Conejos County. This is from Lake, from, uh, I'm to think of the name, South Fork, from South Fork the old mountain man town from South Fork that, of course, if you keep going west, you'll end up at Wolf Creek Pass. But from South Fork's the first town east of Wolf Creek. And uh, from there you go south, and you're in, you're in Conejos County. Mm-hmm. And so this is an area that we ended up in that's about straight southeast of Wolf Creek. And uh, we got over there and parked my Jeep, and we parked and, and decided to walk a ways. And, We'd walked about an hour and a half and uh, came up into a little kind of a bowl, like a little looked like a little amphitheater, but it was and it was facing us, and so it looked like well this might be a good deal. I knew the wind was in our face, and I thought uh, I'd climb up on top of there. You know, it was about I don't know fifteen between fifteen twenty feet in the air on those boulders. I'd climb up there and be kind of inconspicuous. Won't be, you know, there's other boulders that were higher and a little depression up there, and I'd crawl up there and glass a little while. We wanted to rest. Of course, I, he, all he wanted to do was, I don't know, scratch his, scratch his head and sit around and complain. And uh, so he, he sat over there and, you know, he's, he's bitching about having to carry that rifle. Uh, you know, I didn't tell him to, but he did. Anyway, so I climbed up there and... Uh, I'm glassing, and after about 10 minutes, I got the surprise of my life. Um, Literally, and I'm going to use terms that I did not know then, that I've learned from hanging out with Duke and listening to Wes Germer's show and listening to the Outlaws and, and, you know, Coonbow and Bear. So 
I've kind of adapted that vocabulary, but believe me, when I first saw this stuff, I didn't know what to call it. I guess now you'd call it a troop. All I knew is there's a whole bunch of critters, and they came walking out looking like men, and they were all standing straight up and down. I counted at least eight adults. Wow. There's, there was a four, four to six, I think maybe five or six, six at most, I think, of the ones that were about five foot tall, four to five foot tall. Uh, the rest of them were all eight foot tall. I can't say there was eight. There might have been more. They were kind of going in and out of the trees. And two of them, though, were 10 foot or a little bigger. You know, they were huge. They're monsters. And I'd say they were between three and a half and four foot wide. All of these were black. And I'm telling you, I sat there with my mouth open. And the whole time I'm up there, I'm thinking, wind don't shift, wind don't shift, wind don't shift. Because it's right in my my face. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, crap, how do we get out of here? How far is it to the Jeep? Holy moly. And then it dawns on me, I'm stuck. Because they've looked my way two or three times. As well as other directions. And I realize that if I moved, I'm screwed. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, that's kind of setting the stage for what's about to happen. That's why I didn't beat a fast one out of there, because I'm stuck. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm 100 yards from these things. <laughs> and, uh, you know, can I tell you what their faces look like? Well, I had a pretty good set of Nikon binoculars, but they were Nikon binoculars. I didn't have Savorskis or, you know, what's the other one? Anyway, the, the fancy Swiss stuff. I had yeah. a set of Nikons. And... uh I could kind of see their faces, but they were in the shade of the of the pine trees, and these were lodgepole pine. It's a big flat area, and it's uh, got peaks to the south, peaks to the north. Peaks to the south were way back behind us, and it's kind of a rolling bald area that had a tree about every, I don't know, every 10 feet, every 5 or 6 feet. In other places, there'd be clumps of them. They were all lodgepole pine. And they were all, you know, anywhere from a foot to 18 inches in, in diameter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an area where you could see a ways. It was, I think the reason that it wasn't real thick with trees is because it was, it was rocky, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, you're basically up on top of, uh, of just a b- big bald area. And so, you know, perfect for glass and for elk, perfect for getting looking at boogers, but, uh, you know, my God, how do, you, how do I get out of here is what I'm thinking. Yeah, so you're I'm way sick. too close, you know. And at this oh, size, man. You've got a couple of that are 10 feet tall, man. They can get to where you're at real fast. You know, I didn't know they could run like that till till <laughs> later. I didn't know any of those things. All I knew was is it's kind of like Ron White. You know, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know how uh, many of them it was going to take to whoop me, but I, I knew that they were going to whoop me, you know. And yeah. I, I had no concept of them eating me. You know what I'm saying? Thank but goodness. I, you know, I, I, if I'd have had my rifle, I'd have felt better. I didn't, I had a three, I had a, I had a, but I called my Dury Harriet. I had a, I had the, the, the same gun that, that uh, Clint Eastwood used in, in the movies, only my hands are smaller, so I had Pac-Man grips on it. Pac-Man grips on it. Pac-Man. Pac-Man grips on it. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I had that on my belt, but I'm not a good shot. It, you know, especially not a hundred yards, and you know, yeah. I, I had eighteen bullets on me. <laughs> you know, oh man, 
So, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, uh, so I finally, you know, I started really looking and seeing what they were doing. There was one of them that was really calling the shots. And uh, he told, he kind of gestured and what I'm taking to be females. uh, All these things look like Patty, every one of them. Now, do they look just like Patty? No, but they all, they all had that build. That big barrel shaped body. Yeah. Yeah. No waste. And and they all had uh, they all had the the elevated heads. What do you call those? Uh, sagittal crest. That's yeah, the yeah they, they all had those. Yeah, these were monsters. And uh, uh, the uh, the reason I know how tall they were is because I could I could pretty much get a get an idea from the rocks around that we'd walk through stuff that looked like that how the size of the small ones were. And they were about the small ones, the taller of the small ones, about the same height the guys with, you know. And so I just kind of added from there. Um, you know, I'm I'm uh, at that point. I was getting a little shook up. My this guy's with me. He was getting really shook up. I think he said the same cuss word three dozen times in a row. Oh shit! 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 You know, yeah. and then he cha- he change it and do the same another cuss word, and then he do the same thing over again, and and you know, and he's he's at a place where he can kind of lay his rifle over, and I told him if he sh- if he shot, I'd shoot him, and uh, he believed me, and uh, I said if you shoot, I'll kill you, and uh, but he was looking through his glass, and he was really freaking out, and I was between trying to shush him and and sit still, and. Uh, I had my hands full there for a little while, and he was really freaking out. So we're watching these things, and it suddenly dawns on me they're going to hunt. And, you know, because we'd driven game before, not in the Rockies for a deer or elk, but, you know, I grew up pheasant hunting, and, you know, you put a bunch of guys in a row, and then you drive you go to the other end of the field and drive them back at them. You know, I, I you know I was I was smart enough in 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 woodsmanship and you know in hunting to figure out these these things were getting set up, and they were he was he was gesturing and then circling his arms and making kind of gestures, uh, the big one, one of the big ones, and these things the 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 other ones they took off. Now the ones that took off I counted about five of them, so that's why I'm saying there may have been more than eight, but. About five of them took off. Now they kind of split up into two groups, and they took off back to the east. Uh, I'm thinking, uh, you know, that time of year, the 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 rut wasn't going on yet with the well, probably was for up to that high for the uh, elk, but I, you didn't hear any bugling. And uh, but sure enough, was the the for the deer and the. The bucks were, would gather a couple of does together, and they would lay up under the brakes of, of whatever, you know, a hill or, or you know, a, a, in the edge of a draw or wherever. You'd see them anywhere you'd see something that would skylight. You'd, there's a tree. You'd kind of look below it, and you'd glass, and you'd see a buck and a couple of does. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was that time of year. And so I'm thinking that they were going to come from the east and try to, you know, spook them back that way. It looked like they were getting them into a, a, you know, a funnel point. I can't think of what you call that. Um, 
Anyway, they were going to move them toward a toward a. Uh, I'm, I'm having I'm having a senior moment here. What do you call that? Uh, <laughs> they, they were going to drive they were going to drive them into a into these other ones, basically. And yeah. and the way the rocks were set up over there it looked like that probably worked. Well, when they when when they disappeared and these others got busy, now about twenty to thirty minutes has gone by, probably twenty five thirty minutes. And I'm able finally to slip away, get back down off of there because they're 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 out of my field of vision. So I figured I was out of there. So I slipped off of there, and by then the wind had was not as strong and act like it was shifting a little bit. And we I, we needed to open a fast can of you know adios. Mm-hmm. We got out of there. Yeah. Yeah, and so, the wind's going to switch and start heading back in their direction. You really need to get uh, out of there. It was it was about to start blowing west, but who knows up that high? Yeah. And so, I mean, it's about to start. It was it was coming out of the north, and it was about to start coming out of the east. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, who knows up that high? So anyway, we we got out of there. I'd had him watching our back because we do that all the time up there anyway, because there's so many illegals in those counties, which I'm none of my business, you know. Back then it was a whole lot different than now. They they, they weren't folks that were Trump coming in trying to kill you. These were just friendly Mexicans. So, mm-hmm. but they're, you know, we if they thought you were the game ranger, you'd be in big trouble. They'd try to kill you. So yeah. we always watched our back. And uh, I always did, because I got mistaken for the game ranger once, and they nearly shot me. And uh, I knew just enough uh, Mex- uh, Spanish to get out of there, and uh, they were going to shoot me. So, so I, you managed I just, to get safely away from this big yeah. troop that you guys saw up there. Then yep. is that uh, mm-hmm. pretty much it? Mm-hmm. Did you did you have any more conversation with your buddy up there about what you just saw or anything on the way out? There? Yeah, but you know, none of his was coherent. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, you got a guy really, really bad. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, you know, when you got a guy that that you know, I, I felt sorry. He'd been he had been hanging out in an old abandoned cabin up there, and I felt sorry for him, so I let him stay at the ranch and, and do some jobs for me. He had an old beat up pickup truck that could pull a trailer, and we needed to move a tractor around occasionally. And so I didn't know this guy that well, and he was pretty much coming unglued. Mm-hmm. And two weeks after that, he took off with my, half of my knife collection and a pair of my boots, and I never saw him again. So it tells you, you know, I didn't really have a relationship with the guy. <laughs> and, and so well, at that point, he may have just decided to not live in the mountains anymore and come yeah, to it might have. somewhere. Yeah, it might have. So at any rate, we it took us over an hour and a half to get back to the truck, and we, you know, I, we would stop every once in a while and, and, and watch our back, and. uh we were zigzagging a bit just because of the train, and so and I had, I, had kind of, I was kind of freaked out because I was having trouble finding my jeep, but we did, and uh, we got out of there. And then, as it turns out, I didn't get to go back there and hunt because two weeks after that, they got ten foot of snow up there, oh, and all Lord. the all of the uh, like overnight, all of the uh, they they literally they, on the 31st this was in October on the 31st late October on the 31st they opened Wolf Creek for free skiing uh they were so shocked that all the snow had come in and, and all the all the guides that had uh, uh you know the out guides and outfitters up there they had to helicopter them all out they had to shoot their horses and oh my God. Uh, and abandon their camps 
you know, it was a big deal in February. All the locals were going up there to to raid these these camps because they knew by springtime they 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 were going to be wiped. You know, as the as the uh, snow thawed, they'd end up in the bottom of a canyon somewhere. So, yeah. you know, I, I didn't go because of what I'd seen up there, and I didn't want to. But a lot of people I knew, and I tried, I called a couple of them. You don't want to be, go up there, and no, all they didn't pay attention. So, you know. So at any rate, that was my first encounter. They were all black. They all looked like like that Patty deal from the Patterson film. Right. In shape. I didn't see any breasts, but they were they were the the sun was uh this was about two thirty and the sun was out of the uh a little bit out of the west just far enough to where they were in the shadows the whole time from those pines. So you know, I never did see any breasts. Um, tell you the truth, I never even thought to look. But well, what I did, did you think at this point? I mean, uh, you know, you had already, of course, with the uh, the local local social gathering place of the barber shop back in the olden days, and looking yeah. you know, I, pictures I, I of the photos yeah, and stuff. My, and then you actually see these things, and not just like one, but a yeah. whole bunch of them. Well, what I left out was my grandpa had told me he was very. My grandpa and I were pretty close, as of my mom's dad. And he had grown up. Uh, his dad and mom got married, and, and she was 10 years older than him. She was good-looking, a schoolteacher, and and, her, and my great-great-grandfather. That's my grand, my grandfather's mother. Her dad owned uh, the first ranch in Indian Territory over in were Choctaws. And uh, she was he was half-white, half-Choctaw. She was uh, her Anglo. In Choctaw, and she was uh, three quarters uh, Anglo, and my grandmother, and uh, she's pretty good looking. And she's 28. She's an old maid because there wasn't a lot of eligible guys over in Choctaw land at the time that wanted to fool around with a white girl. And uh, uh, we were just Choctaw enough to be there, but not Choctaw enough to fit in, and too much. My, my, my great great grandfather was, but. At any rate, she uh, she married him at 18. He was uh, a Pruitt, and uh, they had my grandfather, and two years later he took off to go buckaroo. So she kind of got stuck, uh, you know, uh, there uh, with a boy. And uh, a couple of his cousins were there, and she kind of took them in too and took care of them. And that's where my grandfather grew up was on that ranch over, and this is in Kaimichi Wilderness area, southeast Oklahoma, south of Broken Bow, so over by the Hanobi area. Oh, and and so my grandfather had told me about boogers, but he never really said what they were. You know, he <laughs> said they're, they're... So I'd heard boogers a bunch, and I'd heard... I, he never equated it to Patty. Right. And we And I don't know that he ever saw that. He didn't go to the same barbershop. So, you know, he was he my, my grandfather worked at the refinery and he worked nights and you know. At any rate, we spent a lot of time together different times and, and, and he would tell me about this stuff and growing up and how they had to be careful of buggers when you know, and did you go running around the woods a lot? No, there were buggers and we had to be careful of buggers and I wasn't old enough to carry a gun yet, so I had to be careful of buggers and I'd hear this stuff, but I didn't really know what a booger was. Okay. I didn't know. If the, I didn't know. From all I knew, it was an armadillo, great big armadillo. I didn't know, but I figured it out pretty quick when I saw those things. Before I got off those rocks, I figured out those were boogers yeah. that he was talking about. 
Because if there was anything that grabbed you in the woods, it was these rascals. Yeah. And so I made the connection pretty quick while I was up on the rocks. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over to my next encounter, which I did not see them, but it was the scariest. I never got hit with any infrasound when I was in Colorado up on those rocks. I never got hit with anything. I saw them. They didn't know I was there. Thank God I got out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now we go to. Now we go to, I'm fishing. I, I, by the way, I had had a conversion experience when my dad passed away in 1990. So now we're skipping forward to 1990. And I had grown up fishing a pond out in the Gloss Mountains, which is uh, northwest Oklahoma. And uh, they're basically a bunch of uh, low mesas low, uh, with shale and red rock, red dirt and shale. And... Uh, there we had a pond out there. It's about a forty-five minute drive from my house, and uh, uh, I would go over there and go fishing. We had a pond, and we knew the owners, and, and you know there wasn't any problem. And I had fished that thing probably. I grew up. I grew up fishing it with my dad. I grew up, you know, then later on with, with uh, uh, high school, and then guys that I knew in college. We'd all go out there and, and, cra- and be crazy and. And uh, then you know later on, and I you know and I by by the time the nineties rolled around, this was my old this was my old hangout. I hadn't been out there in several years, so I went out there, and I decided that I would go at night. I got bored, and I I had gone through some emotional trauma uh, with a breakup, and I just decided I needed to go night fishing, and I needed something to do. That was my big idea. So. By 11:30 or so, I'm. It's a full moon, and I'm in my wait in my in my waders in. Uh, they have the built-in boots in in an inner tube. Uh, they have a canvas cover and a seat built in. They zip on a on a uh, you know a, an inner tube, and they got a seat built in. And you you kind of waddle out there, step into it, waddle out there, get in the water, and kick off. Yeah. Now you're supposed to wear you're supposed to wear flippers. Uh, we didn't wear flippers. We just kind of floated around and you kick. You know, if you want to go anywhere, you had to go backwards because right. uh, cause your propellers are your feet and they're out in front, you know. And so, uh, anyway, I'm out there and I'm fishing for a couple of hours. I'm fishing top water and I'm making a lot of noise. I'm trying to make a lot of noise. I got top water lures, you know, and I'm trying to get the bass to come up there, see them and come up and eat them. And I'd caught a few and nothing big enough to keep. And I hear a, it comes about 2 o'clock, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'll do it another hour, maybe hour and a half, and I'll go. And so I'm, I'm kind of moving toward the center of the pond from the far side, and I was going to fish my way back over there and then maybe fish off the bank once I put my gear away. And uh, I was parked up on the dam, and I hear what I think is a cougar scream. Now, out there, you do think about cougar. And uh, although you know mostly bobcats, but I heard I heard this thing, you know, and uh, sounded like it was a couple hundred yards off. It wasn't real loud, but it was, I mean it, it was loud from where it was at. But it's a couple hundred, maybe 150 yards off, 100 yards off. And I'm thinking, well, something got something, you know, cat fight somewhere. And so I didn't pay much attention to it because um, I'd never seen anything. From this pond, other than a rattlesnake or two, right? And uh, we're at a high spot, you know, and 
especially with that, being up there on that dam, you can see for a long ways. And so um, then I hear some footsteps. And uh, then I got hit with what I know now to be some kind of an infrasound kind of a deal. Because all of a sudden, I got fear that hit me like crazy. Well, by this time, I was already seasoned in deliverance by a year or so. And I uh, I knew that the first thing you did with that, I thought, oh, boy, here comes the devil. And so I started coming against that, binding it, rebuking it from coming against me. In the name of Jesus, whose blood atones for my sins, I bind you and rebuke you. I was coming against it. I'm going to run that thing off out of there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, all of a sudden, it gets worse. Well, that never happened to me. You know, I mean, I'd seen some spooky stuff, man. You know? Man, oh, man. Yeah, that's, uh, Before you know, you're happened. used to dealing with spooky stuff, and, yeah. uh, and and what you're used to doing all of a sudden isn't working. That would be really scary. Yeah, and so so it's getting worse, and so I get louder. And in my final attempt to, you know, run this thing off, and I wasn't going to be in my final attempt. I was going to do it till it went. And I, I don't have quit. Quit's not a part of my vocabulary when it comes to this kind of thing. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm going to hit it three ways, fast, hard, and continuous, and I'm going to do that until it's gone. Right. And uh, it didn't go. And then the, the only thing that broke what I was doing was the uh, mesquite tree started shaking. And I don't mean a part of a mesquite tree. I'm saying the whole cutting, picking mesquite tree started shaking, and then one of them started shaking right beside the pond. Oh, man. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, you could hook a chain to a mesquite tree, put it behind your pickup truck, and you'd have to yank it doing 20 miles an hour to shake a, an hour to shake a whole mesquite tree. Yeah. Those they, are really solid trees. They do not flex and bend. Well, they come out, they, the, the base of them, and then they all come out like a separate tree from the base. Mm-hmm. And so you may shake one part of it, but you ain't going to shake the whole thing. These, these whole things were being shaken, and there were like three of them. And when that one by the pond started shaking, I thought, holy crap. You know, and, the, and to tell you the truth, at that point, I quit thinking about what I was feeling and started thinking, Are these illegals, what's going on here? And I disassociated what I'd been feeling from what I was seeing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I blew off what I was feeling and started saying, what am I seeing here? Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, then it suddenly dawned on me the two were connected. And when that happened, I'm thinking, I start talking out loud and I say, I'm leaving now. I'm going. You can cool your jets. I'm getting out of here. It's yours. You can have the pond. And I start getting out of there, and it suddenly dawns on me, as soon as I'm about a third of the way to the dam, Bigfoot. Buggers. Buggers. It finally hit me. Took me a while with all that to process what in the world this was. And the Canadian, uh, pardon me, the Cimarron River is about two miles back to the north from us. And I'm thinking, shoot, something's come from the river. And now, because I'm thinking, because I'm, I'm having a flashback to those great big ones I saw, because oh, I'm trying to think what in the world could shake a whole mesquite tree by grabbing yeah, exactly. the and shaking it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. It's got to be gigantic, super strong. 
Federer has got a bulldozer behind it. You know, it's it's something's going on here. Yeah. And, and when when that finally then when I when I I came to that conclusion all of a sudden, now it's hitting me stronger, and I'm going. It's okay. I'm leaving. I'm leaving now. You know, and I mean the fear of God's in me. And and I, did I ever see anything? No, never saw anything. But I knew from what I was feeling. I, when I got to the to the edge of the pond, my gosh, it took like. Oh, it seemed like eternity for me kicking backwards, kicking backwards. And I had a thirty-eight, but I had to, the first two. The first two bullets were uh, cartridges were rat shot. <laughs> and you know, and, and I've I've got little uh, little tiny. Uh, oh, were they hundred and ten grain bullets or something like that? Yeah. And, and the rest of it, it's my it's my take them to the it's my actually what it is it's my shoot a catfish pistol. Right. Uh, in these bass ponds, you catch catfish, in the, one of those big ones, you shoot him in the head and just drop him back in the water because they eat the bass, you know. And so, uh, like mud cats, yellow cats, that kind of stuff. And we, I, don't even want, I don't even want to touch them. You just shoot them and drop them back in the water. That's why I carried it for. Yeah, and that, so, that, you, when you shoot them, you should have chucked them up on shore so the Bigfoot could eat them. <laughs> well, that's what they were there for. That's what they no were doubt. there for. Yeah, so... I was in their feeding spot, I would imagine. That or they were going to get set up and do an ambush of stuff coming to drink early in the morning. That's what I kind of figured as I got after I got out of there. At any rate, I got to the edge. I'm, I'm now standing uh, with this thing, you know, in my knees. I can't get out of it. So now I'm doing this. this I'm trying not to lose my fishing rod and my tackle, and I'm trying to get up in, in, in the deal, and my rods cost a lot of money. I'd take a butt whooping before I lose those rods. Right. And and I'm trying to get the tube and all that, and I'm telling you that final deal I missed my britches right there in my I'm telling you uh, they hit my bowels and whoom, and and uh, you know I said well so much for get taking on the good thing I'm wearing waders, so I just threw the thing in the all my gear in the back of the of my little blazer and uh, I I uh, jumped in wearing my waders, and forget the change out and uh, yeah. you fished around when you're safe. Fished around there for my keys, and I took off out of there. And and I by that time I was so convinced that I was going to die, that uh, you know the flashbacks from from Colorado. I'm I I ran you know I took out part of two mesquite trees and and just knocked the way out of my blazer. But you know I think one time I was even come up off two on two wheels, uh, going you know making a curve and hitting that thing and you know making making a sharp turn trying to get out of there. I didn't back up. I just if I'd hit something I just kept going. You know what I'm saying? And, oh yeah, that's, uh, that's blind panic, buddy. When you yeah. get in that mode, you don't care. It's just I'm yeah. getting out of here. I'm dying trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, when I finally got to that cattle guard and got onto that dirt road, and there's a half mile by three quarters of a mile up to the road, you know, I'm going, I'm going real fast. And you know, I I got to that road, and you know, I I got six miles down the road before I you know could breathe. And uh, believe me, I've never wow. gone back. Now you were there. It was dark when you were there fishing. Oh yeah, I went out there at eleven thirty at night on a full moon. I'd fish all night, lots, lots, lots of times because that's good. That's good bass fishing, you know. Right. Now in that particular river. place, had you done any night fishing in that particular spot? Sure, man. I'd done all kinds of stuff, but it had been you know eight years to a decade before. Okay. You know, by this time I'm nineteen ninety. I'm twenty eight years old. You know, we'd gone when I was in college and stuff. Maybe eh, not a decade, maybe eight, well, maybe so six, what, eight years before. Was there like you a know. long gap in between yeah, the last yeah, time I'd you were there? there? 
I hadn't been out there in, in, in probably six years okay. or more. So they might have just been sort of taking over this area, and they're not used to seeing you there. You hadn't been there in six years, and right. they're going, who the hell's this guy? For all I know, it might have changed owners, and nobody been in there. didn't have any cattle on it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it could have been just deserted at that point, too. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Somebody could have died, and the heirs had it. You know, there's no telling. At any rate, uh, it still had a cattle guard, still had fences up, but uh, it wasn't marked. I mean, it wasn't posted. And uh, I'd always fish there, so I wasn't going to do any harm. I was catching and release unless I caught a big one. You know, right. something something good enough to I got my mouth started to water, and, and you know, that's <laughs> kind of what I figured. And so uh, I, was, I was just trying to spend it. I, I, I had a broken heart, and I was 28 years old, and I just decided I'm going to stay out of trouble. What kind of trouble can I get in going fishing, you know? Uh, well, you so, answered that question. Yeah, big trouble. And so... At any rate, so that 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 was my second experience. My third experience came. Uh, well, let me back up. Before my third experience, then I had some other encounters, but I don't know what they were. We were appraising farms for flood damage, and I got run out of two or three places. We had big floods in eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight. And even before this, I'd seen before before this encounter out there, I'd seen some tracks, mm-hmm. and and that I didn't know. And then af- after this time period, I continued to work in Oklahoma. We did over five thousand appraisals in Oklahoma. Wow! And so I, you know, there's very little. I I've been up to my my chin whiskers in mud a whole bunch of times, but bigger typically, not really. But I mean, I I knew I'm supposed to be a topsoil expert. And so I, you know, and I, I know more than the average Joe. And well, mostly is doing mostly that many hydraulics. appraisals and and uh, yeah, and I go looking over these the property yeah. lines and everything. Yeah, you've well, got a I go in all over floods. that property. Yeah. yeah, I go in, I go in after floods, and the places where I would go would be next to the water. Yeah, and I go in a year or so after. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen a lot of tracks. I've seen, and from the, from from ninety two on, I saw a lot of tracks. The, in '93, they had a flood in in Missouri. In '94, they uh, flood continued for so it was the flood of '93, '94, all through the winter of '93, '94. Waters finally subsided in the spring of '94. The Missouri River they they had a uh, high pressure uh, dome over over central Missouri. And it just stayed there and rained and rained and rained and rained. The water was anywhere, the Missouri River was anywhere from 30 to 60 miles wide. Oh, Lord. And the majority of it was 90 foot deep. And so, you know, we're talking about Noah's Ark kind of flood. You know what I'm saying? Whole cemeteries that would be, you know, adjacent to, you know, riparian areas would disappear. I mean, water, you know, like like creeks or rivers and stuff. The whole cemeteries would disappear. So, I mean, they even they were even finding cadavers from Civil War era stuff floating down the river, stiff, partially decomposed, with the, with their heads still on a pillow. You know, I mean, this this was bizarre stuff. We saw when I got up there and started working, I I saw pregnant cat, dead cattle up in the top, of thirty feet up in the top of trees, dead. Mm. You know, and just uh, it, 
berm breaks and farms that that literally the berm break and would cut a, would cut and the whole farm would cut a hole, you know, uh, uh, eighty foot deep. Is is this water spinning? The power of that water is just, and then then cut a new river riverway uh, over the horizon through these through these farms. It's just it's just it boggles the mind, you know. And uh, all those towns through there, you know, the the whole towns had been underwater, mm-hmm. and and uh, through some of those areas. And so uh, anyway, I was doing some appraisals up there in ninety four. Late '94, uh, or, you know, like October '94, September, October. Uh, it's starting to cool off a little bit, and uh, it must have been October. And uh, the uh, I had come over a berm, and the farm had been washed out just the other side of the berm. So there's supposed to be a farm there of 80 acres, and then and then some brush, and then the river. Well, now it's you know you go over the berm, it's 60 feet of dirt, and then the river. Because we're talking about the Missouri River, right? And so, you know, I'm doing, I'm, I'm assessing that farm, and I come over there, and there's not, not a hole up to write off because there's, I mean, to, to write down because it's all gone. I'm just taking pictures, and so uh, I come over the, and then I walk to the uh, no, uh, south. I come on the north end of the property. I, I walk to the south, and I came back across the berm, way south of where I went in. Okay. And we're talking about, uh, we're talking about a quarter mile south. Okay. And uh, you know, it's it, 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 if you look at a checkerboard of a section, then a quarter section is like one of the quarters, and then eighty acres would be uh, half of one of those. So, so I guess it's more like a half mile. Yeah, it's a half mile. Excuse me, half mile. I knew it was a way. It was a way. I came came out a half mile south. When I did. I, I on the on the uh, the non-river side of the berm side I'm coming back to, it's got uh, bushy brushy trees, and it's been summer and so everything's green. I come over that, and as I do, I get hit with that same thing from uh, the pond in Oklahoma, only not as bad. And so now I'm slow walking and I'm looking around the edge of that. Bush, there's a bushy tree little deal, and boom, there's two buggers, and how far away uh, from you were they? Uh, well, you know, I, I told this story before, and I said 50 yards, but that's I got to thinking that they were closer than that. It was more like 75 feet, right? Yeah, 70 feet, something like that, maybe half that distance. 25 yards, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So they're there, uh, you know, I was thinking, yards came out of my mouth when I meant to say feet. You know what I'm saying? And then when he well, repeated, at any rate, they're too damn yeah. close. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and so one of them is, is now these aren't black. One of them's black. One of them's brown. But it's a black. He's not. He's more of a uh, kind of a grayish brown black. He's dark, and he's he's decidedly male, and he's. Standing between a couple of trees, and they're kind of they kind of as they come out of the ground, they kind of go in opposite directions. So he's got a big wide area between them, and he's kind of got his feet wedged up there, just off the ground on the edge of those trees, on the you know where they kind of took took the bend. And he got one of his feet up there, and he's kind of he's got his arms on each one of them, and he's kind of just looking at me. 
And I stepped on out as he's looking at me because he's just looking at me. And he's, he's you know, I don't detect there's anything. I kind of look both directions. And, I you know, when I first spotted him, I looked around behind me and everything, and I stepped on out because I had to because that's I had so much way I was going to have to go, you know, mm-hmm. and to get my car. That or I was going to have to retract and chase the whole thing, and I didn't want to do that and be on the other side of that berm and have him know where I was. I wanted to, you know, beat a, beat a foot out of there. Yeah. And so he, uh, I just kind of stood there because he's looking at me, and I'm kind of looking at him. And the, the, the fear and dread kind of a deal that I'm gonna, you know, you're going to get a whooping kind of just lifted. And he's just standing there looking at me, and I can see another one. And there's a, just there's a, what's left of a little tiny bit of a burn, maybe about uh, four foot tall. Might have been more for the flood, I don't know. But on the other side of it, now the river made a bend right there. So they got the river behind them. And on the other one, there's one that's more decidedly brown, and, I, and these, these don't have a crest on their head. And they're skinnier. They're big, more like this one that I'm looking at is like an athlete. And uh, they're not built more, like a barrel, though. They've got more of a humanish right. type. Well, he, he's got, he's got, he's this sucker is is three and a half foot wide and probably has a forty inch uh, waist. So I mean, he's this guy's body like, builder type. Yeah. You ain't a wolfing, yeah. He looked like my buddy that was that was high school. I mean, a college quarterback for a football team, mm-hmm. only bigger. And wow. uh, looked like Conan the Barbarian build. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And did so, you see his face very well? Yeah, yeah, I did. Did his, Not, uh, did that, his face it look so, it, it was so dark. All I can tell you is where there was hair. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, it was dark. Now he wasn't in the shade, but his face was dark. Right. And it had hair on it. Uh, it had hair on it. He looked a lot like, his face looked a lot like, uh, if you took the, the Caesar, the the, the, the the ape from Planet of the Apes, that star ape, right. and you made his face a little rounder. The chimpanzee looking one. Yeah, and a little flatter. Mm-hmm. He, he looked like that. So sounds like you saw probably a type two there then. Uh, I would think so. And the other one looked like him, but never got up off the up the hands and knees. And I think it was they were digging for crawdads. The, the, the water receded; it had been up for so long that anywhere there was something that didn't have grass on it, there were crawdad holes. There were crawdads everywhere. Uh, and, probably. Uh, yeah, and and I think that they were they'd come out there and they were looking and they they you know they were digging they were there digging for crawdads. Because the one, it, it was had its head down when I walked up. It looked over at me, kind of shocked, and then looked back down. And it moved its arms, and then it looked back up at me. And that happened like five or six times. So what I'm thinking is it pulled a bunch of crawdads out of the out of their holes and had them loose running around there or something. I don't know. <laughs> and they were trying to get away. You know, it looked like it was preoccupied, but kept trying to look at me. Yeah. It was brown, and it, and it looked, I didn't see any breast because it was on hands and knees. But if the ground was the same height as it was on my side, it was about four foot tall on its hands and knees. Mm-hmm. The one that was that was uh, looking at me, I would say, was about a little over seven foot tall, maybe close to eight foot. Okay. Somewhere in there, between, between seven and eight foot. 
So I'm yeah, thinking so Heidegger was uh, probably close to that height. Huh? Yeah, I was going to say that, too. If it's four foot tall on its hands and knees, it's probably closer to eight or even bigger standing yeah. up. Well, I, I got the impression that it was the female that went with this male. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, we looked at each other for 20 seconds or so. We just looked. I was kind of going from, you know, from him to her to him to her and, and you know, or it, you know, the, whatever the other one was. And, you know, and I'm kind of going, I'm finally, you know, I'm, I got a good look, and uh, it did something to where I could see its teeth, and the 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 feeling came back, like you you're about to get a whooping. And uh, wasn't as strong as I felt in Oklahoma on that pond, but I knew that I the time for us look at each other was over. It had started swaying back and forth after about the first ten seconds. Were they making any kind of sounds at all that you could actually audibly hear? No. Nope. Nope. Interesting. But, but it, uh, it, uh, came to a point where I thought, well, I gotta go. And so, you know, <laughs> I turned, I turned on my heel and the ball of my other foot, and I mean, I just spun out of there a real quick walk. And I got to my uh, rental car, and I got the heck out of Dodge. Yeah. Wisely so, it sounds like. So those were my, my three You know, have I seen some since then? Yeah, I've seen some since then. Uh, but they were not that I had any kind of... Uh, these were the ones that I... You know, when when I lived in Florida, uh, after, you know, we'd been in the development business out there, my... my my business the guys in business with he had a bunch of houses he bought at Reunion Resort just six miles south of Disney. He got stuck with the last one. I moved. I busted up some of my knees at that point. This was in '09. Uh, I'd been working out in and out of there since '03, and uh, we were in the development business when things went south. And I busted up my knees, and. Uh, the, uh, you know, I, I was having a hard time making ends meet, and here's a brand new house sitting out there. So, you know, he said, come on out and stay in this place because I'm making payments on it, and I don't know how long I'm going to do that, but, you know. So I moved on out there. It was a house we got stuck with, the business. And so, uh, uh, you know, we're six miles south of Disney, but it was wild country. I mean, we're right next yeah. to the interstate, but I'm telling you the other direction, it was a half mile, and you're in the, big, you're in the edge of the big green swamp. Yep. And and uh, the the back way coming into there, there was a toll road that took off from the interstate. The first exit you could take, and you come back and you enter, enter into reunion. And coming through that golf course, it was wild on one side. And I've seen panthers. I mean, like a cougar uh, in the in the middle of the street. Uh, I've seen deer. I've seen uh, that's why that's why they were there. I've seen deer and uh, cranes and uh, wild turkeys. Whole flocks of wild turkeys. Uh, eating there on the edge of the golf course, yeah. and and uh, early in the morning uh, and, and dusk, and uh, a booger saw 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 a bigfoot right inside the tree line. Uh, looked like he was about to try to figure out how he could slip out there on the golf course and nab one of these things. I don't remember whether it was deer or turkey, but he was he was in hunting mode. It looked like <laughs> he was just kind of standing there as, as I go by, and I'm just kind of you know as I, I look over and I look over and I look looking right in the eye, and I just keep on going, you know. I'm doing 30 yeah. miles an hour. I, I sure enough wasn't going to stop. No. And I sure enough started locking my doors at night. 
<laughs> you know, yeah, I, they're down I, there. I, I lived I, over on the other side. Uh, that's two and a half blocks from my house. Yeah, that's two and a half blocks from my house, man. Yeah. You know, and so uh, what was really wild about it is the summer uh, of uh, 2010, from April to October, we got 150 inches of rain. And, I mean, it, it was just miserable. I never went outside all summer. And the, the the squalls would come in off the Atlantic, and we were about forty five, about fifty miles from the from the from the maybe a little further, maybe sixty, from the uh, take you longer than that to drive it, but I'm talking about straight distance because clouds don't follow roads uh, from the Atlantic, and they would come in off of there and off the Atlantic, thirty to sixty feet off the deck, and these things would have you know big old tops on them and they would come through there and i'm telling you that the lightning and the thunder were it's so intense that you know uh, i grew up in tornado country i was looking to go in the hall closet i mean i was scared to death this these things would hit and they'd hit and i don't know i didn't see the inside of the house light up but i'm sure it hit inside the house they they they, i thought the windows were going to break the the lightning and the thunder were so bad I had a, a, a big, long kitchen table, dining room table, on a Mexican tile floor, and it would move my table every once in a while. Wow. That's that's how bad the thunder and lightning was. Yeah, that's some pretty serious concussive force going on there. It's shaking stuff like that around. I'm, I'm telling you that if there had been somewhere to hide, I'd have done it. Occasionally, a couple times, I went into the, the bathroom that was under the stairs, that went upstairs. I went into that bathroom and shut the door. I just go in there and you know, hang out for a little while. <laughs> so, you know, because I'm telling you, it's just freaky. Now, here's the funny part. I got 96-inch tall, triple sliding glass doors, and then you go over two feet, and then there's double sliding glass doors. So the whole back of this thing, 96 inches tall, on the bottom and the top floor are glass, and they open up onto the patio and the pool. And the, this, the guy didn't do a really good job during this summer. I got little lizards and little tiny frogs, little tiny lizards, little tiny frogs coming in between the slots on those things. So, I mean, literally, I can hear what's going on outside. Yeah. And I didn't have curtains for them. Now, it dropped off. I had a pool, and then it dropped off, and then it was the Jack Nicholas course that went through there. And, and so I'm, hey, don't, uh, I wasn't paying for this, so you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have paid the kind of money that my friend did on this investment deal. But I was living there, so I wouldn't pay anything except for the utilities, and that was more than my regular rent. But uh, here is it. I never bothered to put curtains up in the place because I priced them as like $5,000. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, things are not cheap in Florida. Well, I probably wasn't. Oh. But it was it was more than I was going to I think it's 2700 now, I think about it. Uh, you know, to do that, the upstairs and downstairs. Forget that noise. And so maybe it was maybe it was that much for both for both of them, 5000 Anyway, um, so I just left it open. I didn't, the, the uh, I got me some of those paper ones that, that just, like a big post-it, mm-hmm. the accordion type for the upstairs. I just left the downstairs open. And so, you know, no, no curtains. So anyway, when these storms would go through, occasionally you could hear screaming, roaring from the swamp area. And Bear and I have discussed this, you know, chatting on Facebook, that uh, it's common in the South. I'm telling you, 
that you the, the the when the times would come when I would when we get that bad thunder and lightning, fifteen twenty minutes later you would hear it, the the most ungodly screaming and yelling uh, coming from that swamp area. <laughs> and because the only place they had to hide was a tree, and that's not where you want to hide in a lightning storm. No. And I'm hearing the boogers over there getting lit up. Man, oh, man, I and, bet that was going on all the time. It was really wearing on them, too. There must have been some crabby cappers out here. That place was literally like a – Florida's like a zoo anyway. I mean, there's every yeah. kind of a critter you can imagine. Then Disney had put in the wildlife park, and they hadn't figured out what to do with the poop yet, and they'd drawn African vultures. Now, I had a raccoon problem with my trash, and then all of a sudden the raccoons disappeared, and then the vultures showed up. Well, we know what happened to raccoons. <laughs> You know, and you talk about I, I saw the symbol for the for the, the, the real estate crash was was the 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 two million dollar house across the street. Big old uh, you know, investment property for people to, to rent it, you know, to rent when they go to play golf at these expensive golf courses and stuff. It's like yeah. a, a six bedroom house. And there's there's African vultures sitting all, all the whole roof line. Probably thirty of them. I took a picture of that. Send it to all my friends said, things are great in Florida. Yeah, hey, if you still got a copy, send it along. We'll put it on the show. That's all yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I, I don't think I still have that phone. But any, at any rate, it, it was funny. And so that's that's kind of how things happened. I got to let the dog out. Can you hold for like 15, 20 seconds? Sure can. Go I'll ahead. be right back. Take a short break. We'll be right back, folks. All right, sir. Thank you. Still with me? All right. Yep. Yeah, and and we're back from our commercial break. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. So uh, what I wanted to bring up next now was that you are uh, you are at uh, at labor at work in the deliverance ministries field. Yeah. Which yeah. is for for people that are not aware what that is, that would be like uh, the non-Catholic version of an exorcist, basically. So having that sort of background and having actually dealt with these uh, negative Catholic entities uh, on a fairly regular basis, and uh, you're, uh, as you told me before, you know, they can throw fear around too. Um, is there a difference between the kind of fear that they can cause and the kind of fear that you felt from uh, from Bigfoot uh, zapping? Sure, sure. No, yeah. The first one is... Uh, I'm standing there knowing I can whip their butts not uh, uh, through Jesus, you know. Mm-hmm. In Jesus name, I knew that I knew that uh I I've only a couple of times felt like, you know, that hey, I might be out, out, you know, what do I do next? But most of the time, uh you'd feel it, 
but I wouldn't participate with it. Right. So never been afraid like, you know, that I was a couple times a couple times I've been thrown around, but you know, uh, it was the kind of deal where uh, they're coming out, you know, they're, they're going to they're, they're coming out no matter what. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, ultimately, as long as you keep hammering at it and you don't drop your guard or anything, use armor of uh, well, yeah, the, the whole the whole thing is is the whole thing is 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 when when we go to do it, we lead them through some repentance prayers, and they've got so if if these things are sticking around and causing a problem, it's because these people haven't repented yet. Right. So we usually bind them and 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 then call the person back up and take them through another prayer of repentance, and things go. Because once they, you, we have ultimate authority in Jesus' name, and they're going to go. Now, what what opens the door for these and for the folks that aren't Christian and, and don't have that kind of background? What opens the door for these things? Uh, unforgiveness. The devil only has one tool against man since the cross. Only one tool. It's unforgiveness. And there's there's a little there's something the Lord gave me, and it's called the three secrets. I'm going to say this to begin with, just so you understand where I'm coming from. There's three secrets to a happy life. Number one, our ability to process forgiveness. Number two, our ability to see things from another person's perspective. And number three, being able to have empathy, because we've all been through similar things ourselves. Right. Now, there's four things that block a happy life. Number one, the inability to process forgiveness, because it robs us of perspective. You'll never see things from another person's perspective if you're offended at them. Mm-hmm. Number two, if we have negative emotions tied to our memories. Number three, these are barriers to a happy life. If we have number two, if we have negative emotions tied to our memories. Number three, if we're easily offended. And number four, if we have fear in our life. And that's kind of the litmus test on whether a person needs to talk to somebody about deliverance. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus said, God cannot forgive us unless we are willing to forgive others. It's in the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus told a parable about a man who owed his master a great debt. It was like the guy made five bucks a month. And he owed his master $2 million. And the master was settling the books, and he said, uh, oh, this guy will never pay me what he owes me. Go ahead and sell this guy and his family into slavery, and let's take the money that comes from that, and we'll mark, mark it paid, and we'll just write it off the books. And the guy begged the master, oh, please, please, just give me time. Give me time. I've got a family. I, I love my family. Please, I'm, I'm really a, a nice guy. I'm really a good guy. I'll work really hard for you. And the master was touched with compassion. Jesus is telling this parable in Matthew 18. The master was moved with compassion, and he forgave the entire $2 million debt. Now, good thing for that guy, huh? Yeah. So that guy goes out and finds somebody that owes him 20 bucks, the equivalent of $20. Takes the guy by the throat, says, pay me what you owe me, you rat. And the guy begs for time, and he'll pay him. And it's a debt he could pay, you know. Guy made five bucks a month, he could pay him off in a little while. 
he had no mercy on the guy and put him in a Dutch prison. Till he paid all the out. Now, some of the guys who worked for the master saw how this servant had acted and went and told the master. I remember Jesus telling this parable. And the master said, bring that servant before me. And he said, oh, you wicked servant, I forgave you a debt that you could not pay. And you would not forgive your fellow servant a debt that he could pay. And then he said, cast this man over to the tormentors, the jailers, until he pays all that he owes. Well, the devil is called the accuser of the brethren. In the Old Testament, before Jesus went to the cross, he's the one who would make railing accusation against us if we told a lie, if we did one thing or another in the court of heaven before God and say, you say I'm the father of lies, that guy lied, he's my son, give him to me. Yeah. The celestial persecuting attorney. And so what happens is, uh, Jesus said, you're given over to the prosecutor. You're given over to the tormentors, the jailers. That's the devil. And the devil, he don't have a jail. And God's abandoned the court of heaven because of Jesus. But the jailer, you get turned over to the jailer, and the jailer, he sends the... the, to the prosecutor, he sends the jailer, he sends the, the prison guards. He sends them to your house, and they get inside of you. That's called oppression. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're imprisoned, is inside your own body. And that's where all these negative thoughts come from. It's like having an issue of the na- worst National Enquirer magazine in the world, and all the headlines are bad, and they're about you. Mm-hmm. And the paper board that delivers the paper sticks around. And it's called insecurity. And that's the initial level of sin. And it comes from the inability to process forgiveness. That's what emotional darkness is. And emotional darkness draws spiritual darkness. The demonic, like the moths, are drawn to the flames. Yeah. So we work on... If I've got some unforgiveness issues, Lord, show them to me. David said, show me my heart, O Lord. And the good news is, Jesus came, he forgives, he loves you. And that's what this whole thing's about. Mm-hmm. Unlike some others that says, if you're going to make it to heaven, you got to go and kill people. Strangers you don't know. Mm-hmm. Well... That, and then you'll get like 70 Virginians or something that they yeah. get to you if you go is Well, that unfor- unfortunately, you get 70 virgins, and they're all probably young guys. You virgins. Killed. Oh, okay. So you, and they're all probably young guys that you killed. Uh-oh. Yeah, that could be bad. So, you know, that's the, the deal is, is, is if you make it to heaven, it's going to be because of Jesus, not because you earned it. Right. And the other thing is, is... You're either going to learn this stuff now or you're going to learn it in heaven, and you're going to spend all eternity trying to get this stuff worked out. It's better to work it out now and get a good reward when you get there. Amen, brother. Well, now this brings me to another thing here. You're not only just interested in Bigfoot. You uh, pester me with a lot of questions about Dogman, Uh which you're also interested in. 
And, uh, you know, I finally managed to get out of you the fact that part of the reason you're interested in this is because you've got a ministry thing going on over on the, quote-unquote, dark continent, Africa, uh, mm-hmm. where you're going to be including in the uh, the general Bible that you're printing over there uh, a little insert that's got information on cryptids that, yeah. That, yeah. Are, that, that may be over there in Africa and how to deal with them. Well, and here, uh, too, yeah, yeah. And here, too. Yeah. Well, to me, that's really interesting. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and, and the Space Boys. And the Space Boys. Yeah, because they all have the same origins, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's. I'm going to move into, I'm going to incorporate the Giants into this, if that's okay with you. That's fine. Here's, they seem to be behind a lot of it. Yeah. Here's, forgive the pun, but here's an there's an 800-pound gorilla in the room when we're talking about Bigfoot, Dogman, and all the cryptids. And this 800-pound gorilla is all these megalithic structures and the over 20,000 skeletons they found in these graves that are over 9 foot tall. Let's say 7 to 22 foot. Yep. And they found them all over Mesoamerica, North America, and they found them in Europe. They're, the EU and, and those nations over there, those people know about them. And they've got megalithic structures that literally have roof stones on them made out of granite that weigh four to six tons or more. Mm-hmm. And you, the copper tools of the age that we would call the Dark Ages... Those bronze tools, they can't cut granite. No. And we don't. We barely have equipment that can roll in there and lift that kind of weight now. Yeah, I mean, an example about, of that is the megalithic ball back where they've got that one gigantic stone that's laying there like basically quarry that's never than been moved, and we yeah. couldn't move it. No matter how many cranes we put on it, we couldn't do it. If 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 you put it on on a moon launch. Of a shuttle, you couldn't lift it. It, it. it weighs more than than ten space shuttles. Yeah. It's it's the length of maybe three housing lots. Yeah. The depth of a housing lot, and the height of of uh, same as its as its depth. And it's a solid chunk of rock. I mean, it looks like a giant domino or something. Yeah, it's a cut, it's a cut stone. Yeah, and it's not one. There's dozens of them. Yeah. Now, let's go back to the story of the Watchers. This is not the third of heaven that got kicked out when Satan, you know, did his deal and, you know, said, I want to be like God and want to co-rule with God. And they got kicked, you know, and he got kicked out, and they all in third of heaven followed him. This is not those 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 spirits. That was earlier. This, right. And this is the 200 angels that he sent down, and we know this from the book of Enoch. By the way, Enoch would have been included in the Bible had there been a complete book of Enoch without parts of it missing, and somebody else had tried to fill them in with some crazy stories. Now, we know about the validity of Enoch because God moved at the same time, right before Israel became a nation in 1948, 1946-47, they found the cave at Qumran with all of these manuscripts written on scrolls. And in there Some was of which had been like missing for hundreds of years. Nobody had copies. Oh, thousands. Yeah, thousands. Yeah. 
The only reason that we have a Bible today is because they found scrolls in different places of each one of the books of the New Testament, and they put them together. None of, nowhere did they find a complete scroll. And so when they found a complete scroll of Enoch, we now have a complete book of Enoch that we know is for real. So if the Bible were being canonized today, the book of Enoch would be in there, if, if the powers that be would let the giants in. Right. Now, well, as far as that goes, didn't Jesus mention by name, what was it, Jasher or Jubilees? Uh, he mentioned I, some quote out of uh, yeah. one of the two books. I, I'm and sure. That's not, I, part, I, that's not in the Bible either. It's part of the Apocrypha. Uh, but it's good enough for Jesus to quote that there's something in there to look at. Well, and more than that, Moses wrote his uh, the book of uh, the first five books of the Bible. When he wrote in Genesis about the giants, he was working verse to, by verse with the book of Jasher and Jubilees. Because mm-hmm. those were contemporary works of the time mm-hmm. that had made it through the flood. How they made it through the flood, I don't know. Well, these, Noah was probably doing some light reading while they were out in the yard. Yeah, these things had made it through the flood. Yeah. They're that old. As was the book of Enoch. It made it through the flood. Enoch being... Moses' great-grandfather. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moses makes reference to the... It says, is it not in the book of Jasher? Is this not in the book of Jubilee? Several times in, in, in the first five books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So he makes reference to it in the book of Enoch. Uh, in contemporary, uh, in what, what we know today as Christianity, Peter and... and uh, I think it's Jews or... One, anyway, one of the others. Titus, Titus. Uh, Peter and Titus made reference to it. Uh, I think it was Titus. I know Peter did. There was two, two different sources in the, that uh, wrote the New Testament, the epistles, that uh, made re- reference to the book of Enoch. So it's a, it's a, it's a contemporary, ex, 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 what do they call it, ex-contemporaneous, a contemporaneous book uh, to the Bible mm-hmm. that was known at the time. Josephus, uh, Flavius Josephus, who was the Jewish fellow that worked with the Romans and was their historian, made reference to the flood, the initial bunch of giants, and he said they are the Titans. So, you know, Josephus, everybody believes Josephus. Right. He's, he's what a Roman do you historian. think of the old, uh, the old Egyptian uh, priests who, when uh, Solon, the grandfather of Plato, showed up and originally talked to them and got the story of Atlantis from them, uh, they they were sort of like giving them a hard time, going, ah, ha, 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 you Greeks, you're just such babies. Your culture's only been around a few hundred years. You don't know anything that happened before. There's been multiple great floods. Right. Well, I agree. And the, where they had it up on the Greeks was, they're like the Indians. Uh, they would find temples with all the stories I mean, the legend of Gilgamesh was written on a big uh, side of a building. The, right. A big stone building that survived is a stone tablet as part of the building. That's how they knew about all this stuff. Now, the reason the Greeks came up with the story of the Titans is they found the skeletons mm-hmm. of these things. Now, not complete, no, but they found body parts, yeah. you know, skeletons, scattered, and... Uh, Basically, here's how it worked. There's Noah. You go backwards. There's his dad, and I can't think of his name. I'll come up with it in a second. Then there was uh, his dad, Methuselah. There was his dad, Enoch. And then there was Enoch's dad, who was, uh, um, well, I'm having a senior moment again. 
Anyway, and he had all these memorized. Jared, 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 Jared. And and during the time of Jared was the initial time when the Watchers came down. And these are the 200 angels that came down from heaven on Mount Hermon that were supposed to help people. Right. The only problem is they were blinded by the same evil once they got here that Satan was. So they're the ones that took wives that Moses is talking about in Genesis 6. And they, the first set of giants were their children. Mm-hmm. The women didn't make it. Those women died in childbirth. Those were the ones that were enormously, gigantically, ridiculously yeah. huge. The, Bible, the, yeah. the, book, the book of Enoch and Jasher says they were 30 elms tall. That's 458 feet. Right. So we're talking like Godzilla size for the first crop there. Right. They had asked the Lord to forgive them after they had created these things and, and these things before they actually started to run amok too much. And, by the way, they came down on Mount Hermon and Baalbek, this megalithic site that belonged to them, evidently, because that's the only kind of creatures that could lift that kind of weight. We're talking about twenty to two hundred thousand, twenty thousand to two hundred thousand tons. Mm-hmm. Would be something that tall. Yeah, that's in the Bekaa Valley in southern Lebanon. We know that. And interestingly enough, today probably the exact spot at the top of Mount Hermon where they touched down. There's now, and at this very moment, an operational UN base there. Yep, absolutely. So, and by the way, that site looks over into Armageddon, the Valley of Megiddo. Yep, there's another interesting tie-in. Just so we hit everything that could possibly be related to this, there you go. Okay, on to the story. So uh, they they asked Enoch to ask God if they could be forgiven in the book of Enoch. It's it's recorded. Uh, This is Jared's grandson. And... No, I'm sorry, so Jared's son. Now, so Jared's according son, to the, Jared's son. According Jared's to the son. story, they weren't all that good at praying to God uh, or anything like that. So they they were actually trying to get a hold of God's right. go-to guy, Enoch, and get him to talk to God. Right. And they were trying to figure out how to get a hold of Enoch. Yeah, because they, well, they, they got a hold of Enoch. They did get a hold of Enoch, and Enoch asked, asked God if they could be forgiven, and God said no. He said, you tell them no, and you tell them that, that their sons are going to die, and they're going to have to watch their sons die. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to be in prison, some of them, the lead ones. And um, so that was the, the 200 watchers were all supposed to be in right. prison under the ground for what was it, 60 generations or something like that? Seven, 70 generations. But 70 generations. Yeah. Only the leaders. The rest mm-hmm. of them still ran amok after that. So the leaders had to go and be in prison. Now 70 generations. Guess when that's up? If a generation's 40 years. Uh, Last couple of years. Yeah, wasn't that like around World War Two or something? I think or something, like, something like something like that. So yeah, yeah, it's bad. So at any rate, the the those lasted for two hundred years. After they built a lot of stuff, they had such ravenous appetites. There wasn't enough. They took all the food from everybody. They did you know really bad stuff, and they, and they started eating all the game, all the animals, all, everything. And then they started eating the people. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord turned their hearts against each other, and they slaughtered each other. They killed each other. And yeah, I can't remember which book of the Apocrypha, but it's got an exact description of him sending one of the archangels down and actually putting the idea in one of the giants to steal one of the other giants' wives. And that's what started the whole feud. And it was like a Hatfields versus the McCoys. Giants took up sides and just started slaughtering each other. 
And that is what Josephus says, the Greeks, this is the clash of the, of the titans. Right. And the wreckage of that was available to be viewed in the Middle East for a long time. Mm-hmm. And let me rephrase it, in the Mediterranean. Right. Even over into Greece. So now they die out, and they're for 200 years. They got to remember Jared. Jared lives like over 900 years, and Enoch lives, you know, 363 years. So anyway, Jared's around for a long time. So 200 years during the life of Jared, these things are around and they're gone. And for 200 years, there aren't any. And you know, of course, Enoch's around, and then they begin to do it again. And the watchers that are still around. Only this time the giants are one-tenth that size, 45-footers. And havoc and, and bad things occur during the life of Enoch. By, by the way, when they asked Enoch if they could be forgiven, might have been after the after the, the giants had killed, the big ones had killed each other. I can't remember. At, at any rate, because I know one thing, God took Enoch to heaven mm-hmm. right after that. He's a type and shadow of the rapture because they would have killed him. If you read the book of uh, Giants, Ogius, which obviously is written by the bad guys, so you can't be 100% sure that they're giving you the straight story. Yeah. But according to them, uh, there was two giants that had prophetic dreams, and one of them actually managed to get a hold of Enoch and personally took him to the throne room of God, at which point he appears and one of the angels goes, how did you get here? Who brought you here? You're not supposed to be here. Right. But when he didn't let him have an audience with God anyway. Uh-huh. Well, all I can tell you is is they are soulless. And do they have a mind, will, and emotions? Yes, but not like ours. Mm-hmm. No angel will tell you, I love you. I don't care if the angel shows up, stands in front of you at the firing line, and loosens your chains and flies you out of there. He'll never tell you he loves you. They don't have emotions, mind, and will like we do. Hmm. And by the way, religion got it screwed up. It's not mind, will, and emotions. Negative emotions are carnal. Not all emotions are carnal. So they stuck that on the end so that you could you try to avoid all emotions. But mm-hmm. to love God is an emotion. So yeah. the thing that's most closely uh, uh, that makes us our, our humanity looks built that's built like in God's image is the fact that our spirit and our love, our soul, are so closely related. God shows up, you cry. That's an emotion. God shows up, you're overcome. That's an emotion. So it's it's emotions, mind, and will. It's just what's what's carnality? Negative emotions. But purity of heart, which is pure emotions, being in a, a state of, of emotional purity, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. So all this stuff about getting our heart right so the demonic don't have any hold on us is all about coming into a place of emotional purity. Right. So at any rate, Enoch was taken. And then these things, uh, during the time of Methuselah, which was Enoch's son, and he was rewarded with the longest that anybody's ever lived, 969 years. And by the way, the year he died was the year of the flood. We've done the math. Wow. And he was there to help Noah with the ark. So, and by the way, 
Noah's wife was Enoch's half-sister. He took one of Enoch's, I'm sorry, Noah's wife was Methuselah's half-sister. He was one okay. of, she was one of Enoch's daughters. Now, there's a teaching in the church that, that, that the negative side and the giants were just big guys, and this was all the line of Seth versus the line of, of Cain and all this stuff. That's a bunch of hogwash, because that's denying the supernatural part of this whole story. And uh, you'll know here in just a little while that the supernatural part of this story is what we're living out today, and there's no way in the world that this is a bunch of people. These, this, this stuff was was portals or or openings into the, into the spirit realm and all kinds of things. But what's what should make it easy for us to 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 believe is the Bible's that way, same way too. I mean, Jesus stepped into another dimension and walked across the Sea of Galilee. Peter looked into that dimension and saw him. Said, "Master, but you begged me to come, bid me to come." He said, "Come on." Step into this dimension, boy, because the water's not wet in this dimension, and you walk on it. And the only reason that Peter started to sink was because he looked back at at the boat. Jesus said, oh, he grabbed him, and he said, pulled him back up, and he said, when did you first start to to disbelieve? When you looked at your circumstances rather than looking at me in in this other dimension. So metaphorically was, speaking, that's a beautiful one too. You take your eyes off Jesus, you start sinking. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they were praying for Peter, and an angel shows up, walks into through the walls, into the into the place. Not his chains fall off of him when he's locked up. They'd already killed John's brother, James, the first James. They'd already killed him. They were going to kill Peter the next day. Church was praying for him. The angels walked in, chains fall off. The the, the prison gates swing open in front of him. They walk him out of there and put him at the front door of his house. Disappear. And he's knocking on the door, and the people are inside. And they said, who is it? Who's at the door? Go see if who's at the door. And the little gal at the front door, and she opens the thing. People all look, it's Peter. She comes back, she says, oh, it's Peter. And they say, oh, no, it couldn't be. He's all locked up. It must be his ghost. <laughs> They're praying, and the supernatural dimension entered the prison. Peter's chains fell off. He shows up. God's answered their prayers, and they can't believe it. And they finally open the door and say, well, how'd you get here? Mm. Well, you prayed, didn't you? (laughs) This is a supernatural book, we believe, folks, and it's a whole lot more supernatural than Bigfoot. It's a whole lot more supernatural than, than the aliens. This is Our Savior is coming on 30 foot white horses. With the host of heaven. We may even ride with him on the second coming. And he's going to flash, and it's going to be like an H-bomb, and all of his adversaries that are actually shooting at him, coming from heaven on white horses, they're going to melt. And then he's going to step down on the Mount of Olives. It's going to split the Kidron Valley. And he's going to walk over to the... And the Jews are going to look upon him whom they have pierced as one and mourned for him as one mourns for his only begotten son. And they're all going to get saved in one day. And he's going to walk over to the Temple Mount. And he's going to, uh, he's going to, as soon as he steps on it, an artesian well is going to open up. 
One side's going to go into the to the Mediterranean. One side's going to go to the Sea of Galilee. Both of them going to be made fresh, and we're going to be eating fresh fish for a thousand years. If that's not super, and then at the end of it, heaven comes down. If this is not super, more supernatural than boogers and aliens, give me a break. What is it well, that you're believing? You know. That's yeah, and that's part of the thing too. You know, it's like there. To me, the it seems like there's there's a tie-in between yeah. all this sort of stuff, yeah. which let, is let me why say one they, they try so hard one, to cover it. Let me say one last thing. Gehazi was the servant of Elisha. Mm-hmm. They're surrounded by the host of the Assyrian army and a couple others. Gehazi's freaking out. Tells his master, Elisha, there's so many of them, they're going to wipe us out, we're going to be killed. And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes. And Elisha said, son, there's more with us than there are with them. He said, open his eyes, Lord. And he looked and he saw the chariots of heaven all around him. Mm-hmm. Folks, uh, we serve a supernatural God, and there's two-thirds more angels in heaven than there is on the earth. Yep. And they got more power. Or in the second heaven, which is what we call space. And right. that's where the devil and his boys got cast down to. Right. Now, They're up me... in space, too. So, you know, just because something may claim it comes from another planet doesn't automatically mean it's not a devil. Right. Here's, here, where are we on time? We got 15 minutes yet. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. We talked about previous floods. Let me go back to that. There's been a mistranslation of the, uh, into English and a lot of other languages of the first three sentences of the Bible. Oh, thank you for covering this. I was hoping we'd get on this one. Go ahead. Okay. Now there are three words in Hebrew that they totally blew it on. The first one is Haya. I'm gonna spell it out for you so those that are interested can write it down. Haya, H-A-Y-A-H. In Hebrew, that means has become, or had become, past tense, had become. The next word is tohu, it's T-O-H-U. It means utter chaos. And the second word is bohu, B-O-H-U, translated into English. And bohu is... An utter wasteland. A wasteland. Now, when you look at the first three verses of the Bible, the way it is now, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was null and void. And the water covered the face of the deep, and the firmament rested upon the water. But what... It says in Hebrew, and I'm going to stick those three words in, is this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was Haya, and Tohu, and Babohu. And the waters covered the face of the deep, and the firmament rested upon the waters. Now I'm going to translate those words into English, and this is what it really should say. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth had become utter chaos and a total wasteland. And the waters covered the face of the deep, and deep space rested upon the waters. That's a destructive flood. That has wiped out the entire atmosphere. Nothing could live. He had completely wiped out the atmosphere. This is the old earth version of creationism. 
Those who believe the young earth version of creation are leaving out the dinosaurs. They're trying to fit them into the time before Moses, uh, the time before the Noah's flood. They're they're trying to fit all these things in, and they just won't work. Giza is older than that. Mm-hmm. The earth is older than 6,000 years old. Mankind is not older than 6,000 years old. Thank you. It's an old earth. Prior to the flood, according to what we see in Indian literature, uh, that, that literally has been carved in stone on the side of their megaliths, and Greek, and uh, stuff found in Iraq, and Persia, Mesopotamia, the old, the old, the old area that, that is northeast of there, in Asia, and in all these pyramids that are around the world that they deny are there, like the one in Bosnia that's five times the size of Giza, just because it's got vegetation covering it, most of them do. Mm-hmm. Over the millennia, the reason the ones in Egypt don't is there's not any vegetation to cover something in the desert. Right. Yeah. But it, back in the days those were built, that was all green. Those yeah, things and if you are go not with the, Robert Schock's theory, the the Sphinx may be a lot older than the pyramids are too. It may have originally been a lion mm-hmm. that was looking at the constellation Leo, which if it was built to be looking at that when it came above the horizon, would have meant that it would had to be over ten thousand years old. Yep. And the fact is, is there are over what they call the throne room in one in one of the pyramids. The stones that are over that are 60 tons, from what I've heard. I haven't read that. I've heard it. I heard it from a pretty good source, L.A. Marzulli, but I don't want to misquote him. I might be a little bit off, but it's. let me put it this way. They're, they're bigger than, than anything could have moved back then and hung in place, number one. And number two, uh, there was nothing on earth that could cut them. They're granite. Yeah. And have you seen Egypt? There's no granite anywhere around there that, that they could have poured these. <laughs> yeah, where did it come from exactly? Sixty miles away from somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got something they couldn't move. You got something they couldn't cut, and they got something they couldn't lift. And it's and it's been moved, cut, and hung. And there it is in the air. And, and now over the over that part of the of the. Of the of the uh, the exterior structure of, of of one of the pyramids of Giza. Mm-hmm. So, what we've I don't got know if here ran across this, uh, but there was actually um, a YouTube video, and Wes is the one that tipped me off to this. And what they had done is they had gone inside and filmed the inside of the tomb of the royal. Uh, Can you uh, pause it, Elder. please? Sure. I'm telling them. I'm telling them to pause the TV while I step in here and fill my coffee. I'm sitting on the back porch. Keep talking. Anyway, the uh, the royal uh, builder uh, who is in charge of making all of these huge uh, uh-huh. monoliths and structures and whatnot for the pharaoh was the one who was entombed in there. And as is the case with a lot of these guys, it sings the praises of what they did during their life. And to wit, in this case, it had beautiful, full-colored murals on the walls on the inside of his tomb of how exactly these things were built. 
and it Ooh. clearly shows giants moving all the huge rocks and humans putting the inscriptions and carvings on them. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. There's all throughout all of the hieroglyphs. There's there's giants. Right. Yeah, this was like actual paintings. It wasn't even hieroglyphs. These were paintings. Here's how they put, you know, these rows. Yeah, here's how they move these ones around. Yeah, you know, and it's like, (laughs) okay, so, uh, you know, how are scientists exactly blowing this off and saying that it's nonsense and doesn't mean anything when they're showing you right there how they built this stuff? So... Now that we've we've gotten there, we may have to do a second show because I really want to come back and talk about uh, how all this ties in with boogers and the 800-pound gorilla in the room, which are all these giants that have been uh, found in these graves, and then about the supernatural aspect of that, and it it all goes everything with the Bigfoot, all these cryptids, it goes back to the Tower of Babel and prior to that. And we'll also talk about the Levant and how the giants managed to get over here to North America from there. There stops mm-hmm. along the way. Uh, the differences between some of the some of the giants that we know about here in North America, what differences there are, and the ones that may still be around here right. in North America, right. as well as like you were saying, Dogman and some of the other things that are all tied into this. And uh, so, yeah, let's let's look forward to having Dave back for another episode here, and we'll cover the Nephilim and all of the uh, other odd stuff that could be connected to that whole story on that show. But meanwhile, thanks for being on this one, and thanks for sure. sharing your encounters and everything. Uh, sure. Really appreciate it. And uh, I hope the folks enjoy listening to the show as much as I did actually uh, listening to you tell, <laughs> tell me on this. Bless your heart. <laughs> it's been great. It's my honor. Thank you. All right, everybody. We'll see you for the next show then. Have a good one. Okay, so all we got to do is basically show, uh, hang up and it'll quit recording. Okay. That'll do this one. Yeah, let's make plan to do another one here. We should be able to do at least an hour, if not two hours, on the rest of all this. Oh, sure. Tie in on the giants moving around from Levant, how they got to North America, all the evidence for that. Mound builder culture, the frost giants, trolls, ogres, da 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 da. Because most of the stuff that we got over here in North America has counterparts in Europe too. Yep. Including, you know, the Wendigo could be what the, the uh, Germans were calling an ogre. You know. Right. <clears throat> so right. we don't know. We're pretty sure that a mountain giant is what the the Scandies were calling a troll. Right. I agree. Uh, So, yeah. All right, brother. Well, i got to get going here, too. I finally have money available as of 11 minutes ago, so I want to run over to the ATM and actually get some food. (laughs) Well, bless your heart. When I I get up there, we'll shoot something and and fill your pantry. So all you have to buy is extra. We'll go shoot an elk, and then we'll find out that a puckwood just grabbed it and is dragging it away. And well, we, can, we, we have a roast puckwoody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going after any puckwoody. Hey, if, uh, if you can bind a metalwork, well, that's good enough for me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, deba- I'm, deba- I'm, I'm debating. Well, I just found out that my Mauser could actually be converted to a 458 Winchester instead of a uh, 366 mag. Oh, man. And, and so I could actually convert it. All, all, all it would be the same barrel, same price. I mean, different barrel, but a barrel and, and, and the headspace worked out. And then the bluing and the bolt, and all they'd have to do is put two more bolts uh, going through the action side to side, and I'd have a 458 mag. I could shoot either 400 grain or 600 grain. And for oh, the man, if you're talking about the same price, I don't see that there's even a choice there. I'd go with a 458. Yeah, well, you talk about a booger gun. 
Yeah, well, yeah, and anything else potentially that, well, you know, a huge grizzly or whatever. Here, <laughs> and here's here's the whole deal. The the 400 grain, it's got the same recoil. Recoil is what I've been concerned with. It's got mm-hmm. the same, 400 grain's got the same recoil as the 404 Jeffrey, what I was going to do. Wow. I'm I'm really debating. I'm going to call the gunsmith. The main thing I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to get a hold of the friend of Wiley Dave's and make sure that he can build me, uh, you know, the the the, the part underneath that flips out, you know, where the stores the cartridges. What do you call that? The the, the flip out plate. Uh, he's he's got a friend that can make them that hang down a lot further. So, okay. yeah, I need I need to be able to have fit more than two two shells in the in the uh, magazine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if I if I can get that done, I'm going for it. Right on, uh, man. Uh, I have a 500 grain, buddy. Where's <laughs> T Rex? Yeah. Okay. Go have some deep. Bless your heart. All right, thanks, man. We'll Enjoy talk to you soon. Okay. Bye.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.